sometimes stuff just gets weird. You know what I mean? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to episode 92 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend, Mo Dick, also known by his actual birth name, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards, and. Oh, wait there. Oh, no. No. What? What? Go on. Can you feel my heartbeat racing? Oh, you fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking... Oh, I'm so glad this isn't a video podcast at the moment, because if anybody saw your acting then, you literally acted that out. That wasn't like, hey, can you feel... You literally went, oh, oh. Oh, unbelievable. Um, yes, as you probably know from reading about guest is this week if morgan's terrible terrible pun didn't give it away (laughs) it is singer songwriter guitarist drummer all-round top chap aaron gillespie of under oath yes i'm so pumped about this episode under oath are a band that both myself and sean absolutely love they're one that really defined genres over the years from that kind of emo post hardcore metalcore wherever you want to call it there's a bit of everyone such an iconic musician and we're going to get some incredible stories over this next hour yeah not only was he an iconic band under oath but we even talk about some of the time he spent in another band that you might have heard of i think it's a band it's either a band or a dance craze called para more para more i don't know i think it's a dance i think it's one of them tiktok dances um but yeah he was in them as well so that was yeah it was a great great chat um it was absolutely lovely to get to see him and spend time with him Yeah, it's one we've wanted to do for such a long time. It's been on the dream list. But this conversation provides such a glimpse into his astonishing career. Not only do we cover everything under oath from their journey, original breakup to reunion and the impact of the band, but some exclusive news on new music, his work as a singer-songwriter for a host of other musicians, forgetting lyrics, fatherhood, secret hobbies, his side project The Almost, and of course, that time he was behind the kit in Paramore and some crazy experiences to go along with it. Yes, it's a it's a good one. This one, it's a, well, they're all good ones. If um, if you don't believe me, go back and check out the other ninety one episodes of Sapling Podcast. And yeah, let us know your thoughts on this and all of the other podcasts as well. 
You can do that by tweeting us or Instagramming us at Sapeninpod. That's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. That's at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. Yeah, and when you look back at all the guests we've had in these 92 episodes, it's quite surreal sometimes. Like It's fuck. It's bonkers. It's absolutely bonkers. Aye, so you can see how bonkers it is for yourself and how great my acting is on all the other episodes. I think I'm worthy of an Oscar right now, Sean. I think that's how good I'm becoming. But at Sappenpod, Twitter and Instagram, let us know. Does Morgan deserve an Oscar? I don't know what Oscar is, but if he's a big bomb, <laughs> yes. Uh, but speaking of mad experiences, Sean. Um, yes. Well, you and I have not seen each other for almost six months due to all the crazy shenanigans on planet Earth right now. But this this week, we actually got to meet up for the first time in quite a while. Yes. Did you think I was fatter in real life? No. Good. That's what I like to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, we met up uh, for the first time in months and months and months, and uh, yeah, it was nice. It was uh, it was a nice day. We got some um, we got some work done. We got some ideas sorted. Um, but we were in Cardiff to meet up with a guest, a future yeah. guest, and um, uh, he ended up not turning up. So bad. Im- <laughs> ba- yeah, bad impression. You'll get that joke later on when he comes on. But, of course, you know, we, we had a good time. We had a laugh. Yes, we did. We planned yes, a lot of did. things. We reminisced some stories about Cardiff. And you remember the time where the blackout got kicked out of a show for fighting the security? Yes, yes. Remember? Yeah. So yesterday, me and Morgan were hanging around. Uh, I say hanging around like we liked to. <laughs> um, yeah, like a bunch of pervs. We were hanging around um, Cardiff Bay and... Uh, Yeah, I was reminded of a time when there was a venue called The Point in Cardiff and the Blackout were playing a Christmas show there and the security at The Point had spent the whole gig punching and kicking all the kids in the front row who were trying to crowd surf or getting too close to them. So if anybody remembers The Blackout, and I don't know why you would, but we had a member of the band called Matthew Davis who played guitar, the quietest member of the band. He lost his rag on stage, he lost his mind, and started fighting a bouncer. He jumped into the pit, and then we all jumped into the pit. Like, as soon as Matt went, we all went, oh, here we go, eh? <laughs> so we all jumped into the pit. I literally barely splashed onto the floor. And then, all of a sudden, I get up, and I can hear a guitar playing. I turn round, and uh, Ramesh Dodengoda of Longwave Studios and recording loads of bands fame was on stage playing jingle bells <laughs> while all of the blackout were fighting security and then we didn't get to finish our gig and then we got banned from there but then I was talking to Matthew yesterday about it because I needed to find out the name of the venue and Matthew reminded me that a week later me and Matthew tried to go to a gig there they let Matthew in, but didn't let me in. Why? That's it's because I had the stupid blonde hair, innit? It's like uh, magpies, innit? It's like, yeah. it's obvious. Oh, he was a twat who was here last week. Oh, you don't it's fringe. Matthew. Fringe is back. Yeah. yeah, Matthew's head's like a, it's just pink. It's plain. It's like a man's thigh. It's like a pink balloon. So people don't recognise him. They just go, all right, cool. That blonde freak was here last week. Go fight then. I wonder if you're still banned. Well, it's closed down. So I think I've won that. Because okay. I'm still going, and that venue isn't, so <laughs> take that. But also, please come back, because we need more live music venues now, more than ever. 
That is true. But if you want to hear even more mad tales and stories of Sean's days in the blackout with his new band Raiders, who might be releasing something soon or not, I don't know, uh, and everything to do with Sapling Podcast, head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapling, where not only do you get all this information, but you can become a part of a lovely community where you will fit in instantly and make hundreds of new friends. Hundreds of new friends. Yeah, because yeah, they got friends, and then their friends have got friends, and then their friends have got friends, and then their friends have got a dog that apparently gets a lot of likes on Instagram. Well, of course they do, because people care more about dogs for some reason. Anyway, also with our Patreon as well, um, if you are a member, you know over the last week we've put a, a pre-order for our T-shirts, which will be going live to um, the rest of you guys from monday after this episode comes out so please check out our socials at sapnipod at s-a-w-p-e-n-i-m-p-o-d to see about possibly purchasing a new sapnip shirt hopefully yeah i i hear it's perfect for selfies too so if you're like oh i've been stuck in the house need something else to post i need something else to look fabulous in to show off then why not pick one up? Patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. You can get one now and you'll have future news exclusively first on everything like that going forward. Yes, come and interact with us in our fantastic Patreon group where we all love each other, support each other and it's absolutely fan-bloody-tastic. Yes, and we'll cheer each other up because even though everyone in the UK possibly overseas as well would fly in because this weekend should be Reading and Leeds Festival. Ah, uh, we're all sad. But hey, why don't we now talk to someone who headlined Reading and Leeds Festival in 2014 behind the kit with Paramore. Oh, it's Aaron Gillespie, our guest this oh. week. How's that worked out, Sean? <laughs> nice, real, excellent segue. I thought you were talking about me, and I was like, I've never had like Redden or played drums. Anyway, here's Aaron Gillespie. Fucking Sapnin! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A. FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Sapnin! Sapnin! Hi. Damn! Yes! <laughs> All right, yeah. Keanu going for it, but that's fine. A lot of people don't. I don't think uh, that, I don't, you know, I don't think that I'm fucking cool enough to say Sapnin. Oh, uh, no, come on. You are. You are. You come are. on now. You are. I got two kids. It's 10 in the morning. 
you know that's fair enough um, <laughs> yeah so yeah our guest this week is a drummer singer songwriter and all round great human Aaron Gillespie yes how are you today very nice of you the introduction was very nice very very nice thank you I'm good man it's it's, uh, it's 10 in the morning here uh, so I've been up for a few hours working actually I had to turn something in today so uh, and then we also have like a three month old baby right now so Ooh, there's not a lot, not a lot of, thank you not a lot of sleep going on in the Gillespie house these days so yeah. oh, you know sorry yeah well thanks for taking the time anyway man we do appreciate it but um as you said it seems like it's been a very busy few months even in this whole crazy lockdown pandemic madness for you um your second child being very busy with some stuff as well how's how's the last few months been i mean you know i'll be really honest and it's not to discredit you know everything that's going on in the music industry and in the world uh, i really have enjoyed it i'm 37 and <laughs> for the last 17 years i've been on the road like the majority of every year so this has been i've been home since february um so i i traveled to florida for about a month to do a series of under oath live streams that we did um it was really great but it was it was traveling was more of a pain in the ass because at home you know i have the studio here i have a bigger studio in the city um traveling was a pain in the ass because we had to get tested before we played together so and then i couldn't fly back and forth i don't live in florida with where the rest of the band is so i live like a four-hour flight from there so i couldn't fly back and forth and we have a new baby and i have a child that's in primary school so like i literally like had to just sat in florida quarantine so for me i the past few months has been great because all the stuff that i normally wouldn't get to do production and a lot of different songwriting and session work normally i would say no to because i were traveling or whatever mm. i was able to do it all so it's been really fun you know just kind of working in inside of different genres of music you know we did those under of live streams thing which was things which ended up being really successful and yeah just been working more than i've ever worked and i've been able to do it most of it literally in this room so yeah, nice yeah man it's great it's been really great and you know i got to be there for my wife's whole pregnancy and all along with the, with the new child and um, just things that I miss a lot. You know, usually you fly in to see the baby be born and you get a couple weeks off and then you're right back at it. So it's been great to like kind of hit pause, you know, hmm. here, here in, in my old age. So, yeah. Man, nice. It's, it's nice to see that you've had, like, had that mixture of stuff of having time off, get to spend precious moments with the family, but also be creative with a, a little bit of different things as well. Yeah, you know, something a lot of people, I don't talk about a lot, but I um, I write a lot of pop songs for other people. I don't make pop music, you know, as, a, as an artist, but I've been able to, like, really connect with a lot of different writers and stuff over this time because everyone is just doing this. I mean, I literally have been sat here writing songs most of the time. So it's just been cool. And it's been, a you know, I mean, of course, like, I would love to play live, but we did a month, you know, basically a month worth of those live streams. And it was... um. It was, it's called observatory. I think you can actually under observatory.com. You can actually get tickets to them till the end of the month for the rebroadcast, but they, uh, it was, it kind of scratched that playing live itch and I'm getting in an age now where like touring, I don't love, like I used to, you know, I love playing live and love meeting people. And, but like the, the shit in between 
is just yeah. coming to an age now where that's really tedious when you're gone for like six weeks, but you work a total of like 30 hours, you know, but the rest of it is just, <laughs> the rest of it is just sat on a bus or in a plane. You know, it's gotten yeah. to the point with our band now where we're all flying all over the place all the time, home to see our kids and to do this and to do that. Like the traditional six week tour, I don't really long for that anymore. You know, like I don't, yeah. it's not, um, the only part I love about it is, is such a small part now. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think a lot of people realize that, especially like music fans as well, that, you know, even though you love the shows, you love performing live, that it's a, it's a lot of work in between the traveling constantly. You miss so much of your home life as well. I don't think the, the regular music fan kind of realizes that on some level. Yeah. I mean, there's so much involved with, with moving, you know, you're moving, <laughs> you're moving you know in our case you're moving tractor trailers full of shit a tractor trailer full of shit a huge bus and like 25 people and you're building this show every day depending on if you're headlining or not but say you're headlining you're building this large thing every day and yeah i mean we don't have to do that and we're i'm grateful but it's like because of that has to be done there's so much time and space you know in between from gig to gig um and that's hard you know and i deal with in our band, we have 13 children between the six of us. Um, wow. Yeah. And it's, I deal with guilt a lot, you know, when you're gone, but in, and it's not realistic. You can't fly home every day. It's not financially realistic and it's not logistically realistic. So, you know, I deal with that. Like I should be home. You know, we don't have a show today. What the fuck am I doing here? We don't have yeah. a show today, but I'm sat here in a parking lot. Like, what am I fucking doing? Like, I should go home, but it's not worth a thousand dollars or whatever to get to the other coast, or you know, especially if you're like in Europe or in your in Australia or something like it's not even an option. So, yeah, yeah. yeah well, mentioning those um, observatory shows, um, yeah. How was it with like doing such like a high production performance, but like with no crowd there? <laughs> yeah. How was that for you guys? You know, I'm gonna be really honest with you. When I I had I have like, I'm not like the, um, I'm like the creator in the band, one of the creators in the band, like musically making tracks and, and writing songs. And that's my kind of area and performing the songs. Like when it comes to the day-to-day -day logistics of the band, like production, I don't, that stuff doesn't interest me. So I didn't really know what we were getting into. I, you know, for months we had had this conversation, like people were doing these live streams, other artists. And I just didn't, I just didn't enjoy them. And not to say that people didn't do a good job. I just felt like it was boring for like the fan. You know, I'll watch some guy play piano for three hours and it's interesting to me, you know, because I'm, I'm like listening to the songs, but for a lot of fans, I think they want something that's, that is mimicking more of a live show. So we kept saying no or kept butting heads as a band. Like, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. So finally our manager and one of the guys in our band and um, we have a, we have a creative directors like for our records and stuff that do all the art and t-shirts and um they put this idea together um and i flew in and i walked in and i was like oh wow because basically it was like a circle we had built with all these metal you can go probably go on youtube and see a song or something and it's still up again you to purchase for all all you can get all three for like i think it would be like 45 american dollars uh and then at the end of the month they get pulled down but um when you're inside of this circle, we played like in a circle. It was pitch black in this room. It's this large warehouse where we rehearse and we rent a lot of our production from there. But when you're inside of the circle, you couldn't see out. Do you know what I mean? So it was like yeah. you were in like this pod, like this space pod. So it it really was exciting. 
And I think the fact that you know before you go on that a bunch of people are watching and have purchased these tickets. And our whole thing was we wanted to make it feel like you're there. So we had like 10 camera angles. So there's all these camera guys inside of the circle. Cause I think that, I think that what made live streams boring to me, like for the consumer was it would be like a stage and a band might buy production or whatever, but it's just a camera and then another camera. It just didn't feel like you're in it. You know what I mean? So I think for us, we wanted it to feel like, and if you guys go watch, you'll see, we wanted it to feel like you were inside of a show. So I think the best way I can put it is that it feels like a music video mixed with a live show. But what we wanted to do, it's completely real. You know, there was no, we didn't pre-record it before the air dates. Like it was real. Like it was hundred percent there. Yeah. Nothing yeah. was gone back and touched up or, you know, so I think, I think that it was really cool. I think that people enjoyed it. And it did scratch that playing live itch. You know, we hadn't played since November oh, wow. um, of last year. We did a bunch of holiday shows with the day to remember um, at uh, actually at downtown Disney in Orlando. So we did like five sold out nights um, there, just us and them. And then we hadn't played since we had begun to work on an album. We were getting together every few weeks and in writing. And then in March, we had to stop because of the, the lockup. So we hadn't seen each other since March. So, and we hadn't played together like properly, like, you know, other than in the studio since November of last year. So it was really cool. And I think people could feel that through the live streams. We were, it was exciting. And I think absence makes the heart grow fonder, you know? So, yeah, yeah. no, exactly. But as you said, it's quite interesting to see how, just how creative you can get with those kind of things. But doing three nights of the live streams as well, you revisited some of Under Oath's most iconic records. What was that aspect of it like for you as well? Was it quite interesting just um, having all these memories come back of some songs you haven't played in such a long time? Um, a lot of the songs we do play, you know, we play songs off all three of those records, but we, we wanted to play full album playthroughs of each record in Lost in the Sound of Separation specifically, there's some songs on there we've never played live. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a bit uncomfortable, like cramming for a test, you know, because <laughs> we would do like three or four days off in between and then rehearse and then have a camera rehearsal and then do the stream. So you had a few days to get your brain wrapped around like, okay, like, I got to remember all these parts and all these fucking lyrics. And that's always the, th pro the problem I have. It scares me the most is always like the drum stuff is kind of muscle memory after a while. You know, you do yeah. it a few times and you're like, Oh, I get it. But with vocals, like I forget lyrics cause I'm writing all the time and doing stuff all the time. And I always like stuff runs together, man. I'm like, what am I, you know, like you forget stuff. And then, and then like last second it'll come to you and you're like, Oh, thank God. You know? <laughs> yeah. I've had that. Yeah, I've had that several times on stage. Yeah, oh. I've had it on several... When you've been like, oh, I don't know what's next, I don't know what's next, and all of a sudden your body goes, ah, it's the words, whatever. And you're just like, oh, oh, how has it done that? I hate that. You know, it, in a live setting, it's like, at least if it's a known song, you can kind of rely on the crowd, or a lot of times Spencer will pick it up for me if I forget, but in that <laughs> thing, you're, you're screwed because it's like being totally exposed, right? Like yeah. the audio is just pure that. So it was... It was nerve wracking, but we had a ton of fun, man. It was a ton of fun. It was a shit ton of work, but like it was a ton of fun. And I think that it kind of encapsulated that live feel for fans. And I think that it was just, it was relaxing for us to be able to play together and then for fans to see that. And yeah, it was great. 
it was great yeah nice well you mentioned um, yeah that you were in the midst of writing a record at the moment is that on hold for Underoath or you or have you all still been doing stuff over the pandemic no we're we're we're, uh, we're just every day everyone works on something every day I have no timeline or plan right now you know the world is so fucking weird uh, <laughs> yeah but every guy in the band has a studio um, or some sort of setup so we're always sending stuff to each other and we'll see. I think it's hard to like, it's hard to just make a decision on what you want to do because it's a hard sell to go to a label and go, okay, we're ready to make a record. We need our money. And they're like, well, how are we going to sell that record? Because touring is the bread and butter now. But I, I don't know when that's going to happen again. I really yeah. don't. Yeah. You know, I think that some small places will begin to open. Um, like four or 500 cap rooms, but for a band like us in the States, like, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't foresee like from conversations I've had and people I've spoken to in the business here in the, in the States, I don't know much about Europe or South America, Australia currently, but they don't think there'll be any like real level live shows until the end of next year. But I don't really know, you know, I mean, we could be surprised. I, I think that, the music industry now is kind of on hold here. I think you've got a lot of people making records, um, which also concerns me because I think that like when everything does open, you're going to have so many people vying to get inside yeah. a place to do it. And so much fucking music at one time. It's just kind of a gamble. It's a guessing game right now. As a producer and a writer, I've never been busier because I think people are like trying to load up a hard drive to make an album to have that album out. So it's good for me, but also for the artist side is it's a little bit scary. You're not, you know, what, what's going to happen? Are we going to, it's too, so much music going to come out that just oversaturation is going to happen. Like, it, you know, it's already oversaturated. So what happens now? Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a really, really strange time. Um, yeah. You mentioned some of the other projects that you've been doing. Can you tell us a little bit about some of them? Um, you know, I'd write a lot of songs with other writers for pitches, um, for pop artists and indie pop artists. I work on uh, a lot of session work for a bunch of stuff I can't talk about. So just drum sessions and uh, production for a lot of different people. I've been doing a lot of EDM stuff. Uh, so like pop lining, I don't make electronic music, but I had a song come out last year with Rez, who's a large Canadian DJ Under Oath just actually remixed uh, a song for her and a guy called Grabbits, which is like, it's like an alternative radio track we kind of turned into a rock track. I just remixed a song for an artist here called Nothing Nowhere. Travis Barker had produced. Um, yeah, man, I just, I just been doing it. I've been doing a lot of remixes, which is weird for me. Uh, a lot of labels here in the States are, are doing like, they're wanting like indie rock remixes of like electronic music so it's been cool you kind of just get a vocal track and you kind of make another song so yeah i've just been creating a lot which has been really cool like um but a lot of crap i can't talk about and then just a lot of a lot of writing for other people um and then uh, and then a bit of writing for myself as well i just nice. i kind nice. of like i kind of i think i'm a little bit like um i'm a little bit like pessimistic sometimes when it comes to my own art where i'm like there's no fucking point there's gonna be a thousand records i'll just wait you know what i mean <laughs> but then, and then, and then at the same time i'm like i want to make something you know and then you wonder like is a label even going to be there to do anything you know it's like it's such a weird thing right now where everything is so up in the air and i'm trying not to let you know with my own music at least i'm trying not to let 
like that stuff get to me, but it seems like it seems like it's just, it's just bleak sometimes, you know, like with everything that's going on, you know, we have like a bunch of people that work for us that aren't getting paid right now. So it's like, it's just, it's just a weird time. So I've, I've, I've found it hard to create for myself um, and really easy to create for other people. So, um, <laughs> but any day you wake up and make music, you know, and you don't have to go do something you don't want to do. I'm grateful for. So. That's yeah. awesome. Well, I found yeah. myself doing the same. Like I'm really good at giving other bands advice on what they should do with their records and stuff. But then my new band now, I, I'm just like, should we put a record out now or should we hold on? But then we've had the songs for like a year, so we're just like, fuck it. We're just going to have to That's put them out the now. Problem. So. That's the problem is, is, is a band, right? Like you write a bunch of songs and you're pumped on them. But then if you wait a year, you're fucking over it. You know what I mean? Like you want to yeah. make a different thing now. You're on to the next set of songs or the next set of ideas. And it's hard, man. It's really hard. But I'm interested to see what happens. You know, I think it's a time that's like, that you can you can take this time and enjoy it or you can take it and be pissed you know you can take it and go like i'm gonna enjoy my family and i'm gonna make cool shit i mean that was the whole thing with our observatory thing is we re-released all those we own the rights to all those vinyls so we re-released all those vinyls and i wanted them to feel like i collect vinyl you know so i wanted it to feel like when you get like an import like a, when it, you buy a uk import or like a japanese import like i wanted that was my that was my part of the vision is i wanted those those records to feel like they were imported from like this fucking different world you know which is like covid19 quarantine you know like so if you look yeah, at them yeah. they all have like an obr obi card around them that's like it says observatory edition so you know if you buy that record you'll feel it'll feel like this import from like this fucking nice horrible time you know so <laughs> but i you know that's a good again, idea yeah that's again it's what, idea. what you make it that's what it's all no, about exactly. like I think anything in life is what you make it right so. Yeah, yep. no, exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. But um, but but talking about writing for Under Oath as well, I mean, how far as a band did you actually come with those ideas before every, everything happened? Again, is it, it was a, a, a big plan in place. It was a, a real identity of what the record was shaping up to be. Uh, again, we're always working on stuff. And I think that we are, um, we're really bad at, it like narrowing down songs but for the last record and for this next thing whenever that is or whatever it is we've like kind of really overwritten okay. you know every album before this we've written like 12 songs and banged our heads against the wall on what those songs are going to be and then recorded those songs and released them but with erase me you know we must have had 50 starts 35 like i i brought a hard drive to the studio and just turned it on and said let's and we would make folders like no this sucks like maybe we'll work on this or and these are the songs we're definitely going to work on so as it stands now there's probably close to that there um in a in a in a in a dropbox somewhere um i have no idea what's next you know i think that again like we're just creative people that make shit all the time and most of it's never heard and we just make everything, you know, our keyboard player scores movies. So like, don't yeah. be some shit in there that'll like start a song. That's like just the coolest thing. And then something will get used for something else and you'll never hear it. You know, like, like our, on our last record, this song on my teeth was just a drum beat that I had. Um, and then we put that into a program and started pitching it and turning it into things. And it turned into a song in like an hour, you know? So I think that like, 
for us, we're just highly creative people that make way too much shit all the time. So there's never a plan until there's a plan with us. It's with us. It's like four of us own studios. So it's like it's, you're somebody's making something all the time, and you'll just get <laughs> you'll get yeah. you'll get uh, you'll get like a, the bones of something, and yeah. you'll work on it, and then you'll send it back, and then you're like, ah, oh, this sucks. Or you're like, you know, we have this Dropbox is just filled with shit, you know. And on certain days, you'll you, there's there's folders that you know they're like, this sucks. Don't touch this. Maybe work on this and take parts from it for other things and definitely work on these and every day i find myself moving stuff to different spots and you know so there's no again you know there's no solid plan but we're always working on something so i don't we don't have a plan um i think it's hard to plan right now you know so <laughs> yeah do you think you like self-produce this record this next record i don't know yet we're not that far you know yeah, okay we're not yeah, that far okay. we haven't like yeah, the idea right now of like booking a producer and like i just don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know that any of it makes sense. And maybe it does. We like spent so much time and so much sweat equity working on those live streams that we've kind of just all been chilling now. So I don't know. I think for us, like I would like to one day self produce a record, but I don't think I would want to do it completely. You know, I think for me, I would want to do like, Hey, like come in and listen to these 37 songs what do you think you know and then have that person go home or whatever and then like towards the end come back and be like did we fuck it up or does it make sense you know like <laughs> I, I think it's hard you know i self-produced my last almost record or co-produced and it's weird because like i feel like when you're in the room you can get we call it getting lost in the sauce you know you can get like you can get like oh everyone's jazzed and the next day you come back and you're like fuck this sucks you know so it always it helps to have like somebody there that's like an objective person that's like hey but that being said like the biggest record in the world last year was billy eilish and she made that oh. with her brother in her parents bedroom so yeah, you know it's like it's i don't i think the i think the death of music is the rule book having a set of rules or a set of way things should be done so i'd like to self-produce an under earth record but then i also don't care as long as the songs get there you know like we have this saying that song is king and however you get there it doesn't matter you know what i mean like the journey is the journey is whatever but as long as you get there and you feel like that song is like everything it's supposed to be i think that's the the goal with us mm -hmm. you know so we'll yeah. see you know it remains to be seen at this point so oh, oh awesome well yeah well you mentioned the last record of erase me and i want to talk a little bit more about that if that's okay because sure. obviously that was the band's first record in eight years it's the first time you've released something with a band in a decade i believe i mean what was that experience like for you being uh, the first record for the band since coming back together uh, having time to reflect on it now did you feel like there was a lot of pressure uh, on your end because it, it seems that it's become another one of those cult classics for you guys uh no there was no pressure and that's why i think you got like a completely honest offering from us there was no pressure because no one knew it was like i think this you always have a conversation with people and there you talk about bands or artists and and 90 of the time people go i love their first record and i thought about that a lot and i was wondering why do people always say that and i think that people always say that because they can feel an honesty from an artist's first record because there's when you make your first record you don't give a shit about a record label you know or like 
are fans going to like this? You're doing it because you got a chance to. And it was it's awesome. So with yeah. Erase Me, we kind of got a second chance at that because no one knew we were making an album. It, we had to keep this huge secret. Like we were in Washington, D.C. making that record. And we like had to be careful, like taking pictures. You know, you couldn't post <laughs> anything on the Internet that you were in the studio together. You know, like. I couldn't like just tweet a picture of a drum set. You couldn't do anything. Like we were there for three months and just like made music and it was awesome. Like it was the most, you know, I didn't open Instagram. We just fucking drank wine and made music. And it was like, it was like a second chance at that first record where you really feel like you're just alone. And I think that's why it was polarizing for a lot of fans because for me, I'm just not interested in like, making the same thing twice ever because i think that making the same thing twice is a lie to your fans you know if you go make define the great line part two would it sell yeah it would sell but it would be a lie you know like that's the definition of selling out for me is making the same thing more than once because then you know you know it's like you go to the store and you buy the same pair of jeans when one pair wears out because you know they fit you know what i'm saying like with with art i feel like you have to constantly progress you know so for us we were completely locked up and we got to do something that was whatever we wanted it to be so it was yeah it was it there was no pressure i think next time there'll be a little more pressure because now unless we just don't tell anyone and i don't yeah i don't know i don't know (laughs) (laughs) was there any um did uh did any of the band get uh papped together in washington when we were all together was there any like Androth fans who were like i've seen two of them together they must be doing stuff or anything <laughs> like that I mean, we talked to some people but it was like not really you know it was like we were in like a suburb of dc and we didn't really do anything there was like a barbecue on the roof of our apartment building and like we would just work like from one in the afternoon to three o'clock in the morning we would did we take the weekends off and like just like hang out you know what i mean like it was cool man it was really cool like it was it was really simple you know i think that that's like in my mind when you overcomplicate things and you turn it into like too much of a thing it yeah it's not fun so, yeah Hmm. Yeah, and and throughout your career, you've always really juggled so many projects, as you mentioned, writing for other artists within the roof, but also your other band, The Almost. Um, but last year, you released a new record, and 2020 was actually the first time in six years that you guys played shows together, did proper tours and stuff. Um, how's it been on that side of things, being able to do a lot more with The Almost uh, again? Well- and it was awesome, but that kind of got shut down too. You know, we only yeah. got to do we only got to do one tour off the record, so we did like a playthrough of our first album, um, and then we I kind of instead of like the traditional album show where you play all the songs, I was doing like an old song, a new song, an old song, a new song, and that's all that we played. And we were going to take that other places, and then this happened. You know, so so that tour ended in February, uh, the end of February, and we were supposed to go back out in June. And obviously that didn't happen. So um, that one was sad, man, because I was really passionate about that record, you know, and I was really passionate about, you know, kind of rekindling that. I got an all new band, you know, in that band. It's just me that's actually in the band. So I got all new guys and uh, we had this great setup going. Um, So that was kind of a shame. You know, the shows were so good. That's one. I took a big hit from that one. So, unfortunately, we'll see. I mean, the almost is quite a bit smaller than under us. So, maybe we'll be able to do some. So, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. 
that'd be that'd be sweet. Um, but how, how do you how do you really manage to juggle? Everything is a, is a question I, I'd love to ask because I mean, so I, for someone listening to this, thinking, "Oh my God, he's he's, he's constantly busy. He does so much. He's a family man. There, there's so much going on behind the scenes for you, behind the music. How do you really not prioritize, but but give enough time to each project individually? I don't like to sit around. Like I don't. Like, That's fair. <laughs> it's not fun for me. You know, I'm yeah. one of the lucky people in the world where. I get to do what I love for a living. You know, when I was a kid starting out, like we paid to do this. We borrowed money from our parents to go play gigs. You know what I mean? So for me, it's like the fact that this is my job now is just like sick. When I'm old, I'll sit around with my hand up my ass. Like I'm not going to do it now. I just want to make shit every day. Like that's my thing is like, I want to wake up every day and make shit. Like I just want to make stuff, you know? So for me, it's like, I think that's why there's so much stuff is because I just want to wake up every day and make something cool. Like... And maybe it'll get heard and maybe it won't, but cool if it does. That's why I love, I think as I get older, I love not touring because I just can wake up every day and make something. Touring is like a <laughs> never ending fucking Thursday where it just goes. You know? <laughs> yeah. The best thing you could do is probably make yourself a sandwich that day from catering. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's, 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 like, <laughs> it's like playing is amazing, but everything besides that fucking sucks. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, here we are, another parking lot. Like, so I don't, you know, and I, but I, you know, we found ways. I found ways to, you know, have like a completely mobile rig now um, that I take on the road and make stuff. And I just, I'm not a person to sit around, man. So I think to your question of how does everything get enough attention, I think I just I finish something and I move on to the next thing, you know? So I'm like very zoned in on something. And then, you know, like today I'm like working on this one song that's a pitch song with this, this female singer. And like, I work on it all day today. I'm waiting for somebody to send me back a track. I'll mix it tonight. And then I'll forget about it. Like I'll put it in a Dropbox and send it to where it's supposed to go. And then tomorrow it's something completely different. Um, it's just how I've always been, you know, like I'll work focus, 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 focus. Like, okay, next focus, 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 focus. Okay. Okay. Next. Like, I just, I find that like, if you beat, like, I'm not the kind of writer that's like, I'm going to work on this song for six months. Like that shit sucks. Like, I don't feel like there's any, if, if you're in it, like just the beginning stages, like it should be a couple of hours to like make the bones of something. And then you can spend three days recording it. That's different, you know, getting tones or whatever. But like, I'm not the type of writer that's like, I'm going to think about these lyrics for a month. Like that sucks. Like fuck that song. Like in my mind, like that's how I see it. I'm like, that's not good then. Some artists it works for. Like, and I'm not saying I don't come back to stuff uh, two weeks later, but like every day I wake up and want to make something. I'm not going to like work on the lyric. And then next weekend I'm still working on the same lyric in my mind. There's nothing there. Yeah. That doesn't sound fun. So I think that's why it's just so quick. Cause I just, it's just how I kind of do it, you know? Okay. Is there, um, is there anything that you've co-written or co-wrote that people don't know about that they'd be surprised that you were involved with that they might, they might've heard? Maybe. I don't know. I can't think right now. EDM stuff. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't do like a lot of rock music, like as a co-writer. Um, I've done a lot of like country music and Christian music in the States. And yeah, there could be some stuff. I just can't think right now. Like I'm kind of just really started like the pop side of my writing, like in the last year. So that stuff takes forever to come out, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, um, but speaking of the almost as well, I, one thing I did want to mention is back in that tour at the beginning of the year, it was actually the first time that the rest of the guys from Run the Roof had actually come to see you play. Um, I noticed you did like a big Instagram post about it, and it, it, that was quite a big uh, emotional day for you, really. Yeah, I mean, they had been one other time years ago when it first started, but they uh, actually, Tim co-wrote one of the songs off the first record with me and he actually played it. Um, so that's that social media post you're pertaining to was, was directed towards that. Like, yeah, it was great, man. Just super, super cool. And then I, you know, the band that I got for the almost in this last iteration is like all of the road crew from under oath. Oh, no uh, way. Well, a lot of them, like the two, okay. the two, the two main guys. Yeah. Um, so it was awesome, dude. Like it's just, yeah. You know, I think there was a lot of feelings around the almost in 2007 when that first record came out where Under Oath was really busy and I released kind of this passion project that turned into something that became more than I thought it would. So I think there was a lot of feelings around that with the band where, you know, I was just busy doing this when I should have been doing this or, or whatever, you know, just I think when you're 23, like you process your emotions in a different way. And at 37, it's, you know, that stuff, <laughs> you don't sweat the small shit, you know? Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was just cool to have everybody there and kind of. Nice. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, while we're talking about all these projects and stuff you've been a part of over the years, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, the time you were Paramore's touring drummer oh, yeah. for, for quite for quite a while um, during the whole self-titled era. I mean, that must have been an experience in its own for you, because obviously uh, you're used to the tour and used to playing in front of all these big crowds and everything. But to do it with a band like Paramore, who have such a, a, a different kind of fan base as well. I'm sure that must have just been such a, a crazy time for you. The fan base isn't as different as you think, uh, which I was surprised by, but also like it was just, it was nice because I, I think that after Under Oath, I was kind of wounded. You know, I quit Under Oath and didn't really know if I wanted to or not. And I was just like a, an anxious, emotional wreck. And I just needed a job. You know, like I, I was at a point where like, I didn't want to make anything, you know, I just wanted to like work a job and I have no skills other than music, obviously. So <laughs> it was great because I've known them for years and I just played drums. I had nothing to do with anything creative. And I did this for, for years, you know, like yeah. I just, it was a great way for me to heal and for me to kind of figure my own life out. And also there was a lot of bucket list stuff in there for me. You know, I got to play on, play on their live record at red rocks. Um, tweeted two nights at Wembley, you know, um, mm. Madison square garden, yeah. two nights, um, wow. just stuff that you dream about as a kid, yeah. you know, as a musician. And it was really special. They're close to me. So it, it was, and they make you feel like it's your home. You know, it was, it was a really special time and it allowed me to heal, but nothing's like playing your own music. I think yeah. that it's like, it's cool to go play someone else's, but it doesn't hold the same weight. It's like, you care about it, but it's not the same. You know, it's just a different, it's a different set of checks and balances. It's a little more nerve wracking when you're playing someone else's songs in front of headlining Reading and Leeds. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like, don't fuck this up. Cause you're, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, some of those crowds were just speaking of Reading and Leeds. That was just, that was bizarre. Under Oath plays for big crowds, but that was like, you know, headlining Leeds in Reading was like, what the fuck? 
like that was a di- that's a different thing something that you that's a once in a lifetime thing so i'm grateful for that time i think that time taught me a lot about taught me a lot about being a musician not just a creator i've always been a creator first and a musician second and those three or four years taught me like to be a great musician there was no playing around with that job yeah cool um yeah i wanted to ask what was the um what was the catalyst that got under oath back together a group text actually um we had in 2014 we started talking about like oh chasing safety is going to be 10 years old we should do a show and one guy wanted to do like one show and we were all like eh whatever like and then it was weird like we had like we planned the whole thing like on that text like let's just wait until and then like a year later it's like let's just wait a year and then do define the great line and they're only chasing safety at one night and we were all like whoa that would suck like that'd be so much work uh and they were like okay we'll do it in the states let's just do like 30 shows in the state and that was the only plan and then that tour turned into a world tour um and then that world tour turned into us supporting bring me the horizon and then that turned into like us secretly making an album and being a band again so it just was like it was like taking a date home and then like they never leave you know what i mean like it's it's literally like i don't know that we've ever like sat down and said we're back together like i mean we obviously are but like i don't think we had like a formal like (laughs) well you think you are yeah you think you are you don't know yeah uh, i mean we are obviously (laughs) but i just like it just happened you know what i mean like we we literally set out to do just those shows and then we got out on the road and we're like wait like this is what we're supposed to do. What are we doing? Yeah, let's just keep going. And then, you know, the U.S. tour turned into a, a European tour, turned into an Australian tour, turned into a support tour, turned into, I mean, we just, it just didn't stop for like four years. This is, this is really when it stopped is in, and it's because we had to. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like you take a, a, a date home from the pub and you just never stop. So, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. I guess. That's, a, that's, that's a perfect, perfect metaphor. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say that's a great analogy for it. Outstanding. Um, but but going back to going back to um, some of those bucket list achievements while tour while touring with Paramore as well. Um, you mentioned headlining Redden and Leeds. That sounds like it was an incredible thing. But I wanted to mention the Parahoy cruise as well because I've seen yeah. a few videos um, from your kind of your drum angle playing those shows in particular. That must have been. A, a, a different a different aspect altogether being on a boat and really getting involved with everyone in paramore uh so my final tour with them was the second parahoy and then under oath was actually rehearsing at that point like i had come from under oath rehearsals to do those last shows and then we uh then paramore went away to make an album and zach came back and that just kind of happened too and it i just would have had to leave anyways because under oath started so it just was perfect like it was perfect um but the parahoy thing was uh it's a lot of fun playing on a boat is weird um as a drummer (laughs) because the second cruise in particular like you always play a show right when the boat leaves harbor so like at sundown and you're on a pool deck and there's thousands there's 3,500 people on the roof of this boat. Um, and as a drummer, you're sat there and everything is fucking moving. 
and playing playing i didn't like the crowds were incredible but playing sucks like unless it's calm like the first cruise was perfect the second one's the pain in the ass every time we played it was like like you know we had to like put sandbags on shit to keep from falling over um but it was so fun but but paramore fans are like very different than under oath fans you know there's a lot of there's a lot of there is a more crossover than you think but like paramore fans want to touch you you know they want to like and it's great they're the they're such kind people but they want to be there so like it was great for me because i could walk around and hang out but like Haley, it's just locked down like locked down you know and even me who's just the drummer in this band that's not in the band it's like walking around was i mean it was you know i did another cruise tour two years ago a warp tour thing where i just played acoustic and it was awesome like you just walk around, hung out with everybody. I think if Under Oath ever did one, you could just hang out with people. But Paramore is like, it's a different type of mentality. So it was a lot of sitting in one spot. You know, it was <laughs> like the days that you got off the boat, we wouldn't like and go see like Mexico or whatever. You just stay. Like it was the oh. day you could actually walk around and see other shit on the boat. So it was fun, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, I, yeah, it was weird. That's a weird thing, but it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, I, I didn't think of it like that, especially playing, playing drums on the boat. Yeah. It's, oh, God. The, it sucks. <laughs> like, I mean, sometimes it's fine. But yeah, it's, you know, the, I know the video you're talking of, the one behind. That was great. That was the first Paramore cruise. Um, the second one was fucking terrible. Like, it just was like, I don't know what was going on. It was the same time of the year as well, but yeah. Yeah, it was weird. The waves, the waves were out that day. I guess Crazy. So. Yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. And with all that, Aaron, as well, I mean, uh, you know, you've said countless times you don't like just being about having nothing to do, but what do you get up to when you're not writing music? I mean, is there something you like to take your mind away from it to help you relax and, and stuff? Yeah. I mean, I like to fish a lot. Um, we have a cabin up in Montana. We're actually going, uh, Monday for a week. I have two kids, you know, so I kind of like, I try and shut it all off in the evening. Uh, it's hard sometimes to do that, you know, but I like to shut the computer off and shut the phone off for a couple hours and have dinner with everyone. And, you know, we have a new baby now. So we're like on a schedule, my wife and I, so like I stay awake late anyway so she goes to bed really early and i stay awake with the baby until one or two o'clock in the morning um and then i sleep until eight o'clock in the morning and then i get up and start my day and you know so we really only have a couple hours a day together so i try to like make time for that in the evenings but i don't know my work my work is is my fun you know like there's nothing is there's nothing in the world that compares to making music to me yeah you know i think it's like it's the greatest gift and for me it's like something that i want to do anyways so uh but i like to fish i like to cook that's pretty much it <laughs> i don't uh well, i don't yeah i don't really like play do, golf or anything yeah so, do you have a do you have a signature dish um we do a lot of grilling here year round even in the snow um so we grill a lot of things a lot of different meats uh we really like mexican food um so i've perfected a lot of mexican dishes I really like Indian food, um, but I'm absolute shit at cooking it. So that's something I would like to get into, you know? I, but you have to have like special stuff. 
mm. to cook like a proper curry. You have to make like yeah. you have you need like a tandoor to make a proper curry meal. You know what I mean? Yeah. You guys are in England. That's the best fucking curry in the world. Whatever. You know, it's just yeah. like yeah, that's something I would like to do. So I get in these like these habits where I'll be like, I want to make like I want to make like the best barbecue ribs. So I like work on it for like a month, you know, and then everyone's like, stop with the fucking ribs, you know, <laughs> or then, like I'll get really into like making like the best rice, like Mexican, like coconut lime rice. So I like try like yeah. 77 different ways. And my wife's like enough with the fucking rice. No, <laughs> so I get like that. But my next foray is curries. I think, cause I, I really love, I really love Indian food, but it's like kind of, you have to have so much special shit to make yes. it. You can't just make a curry. Like you have to have like yeah. a thousand spices. So. Perfect. Yeah, man. Yeah. And with, and with all that now, I I know like the music industry is quite messed up at the moment, but is there anything else we can like kind of expect from your perspective and the end of the rope stuff? Uh, the almost just, going forward. Yeah, Under Oath just released a remix with Rez and Grabbits. Just came out. It's called Someone Else. It came out about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Uh, I just finished a remix, which I'm not allowed to talk about. So maybe edit that part out. I'm not really sure. <laughs> you might have to write an email and ask someone. Um, yeah. So just, yeah, man, just making music. Awesome. 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 Well, yeah, thank you so, so much for doing yeah, this. Yeah, it's um, been a pleasure, man. Oh, yeah, we did. Podcast. Yeah, I, I should just say that, um, yeah, we had Matt Cutchell on not long ago, and he was singing you guys' praises because mm. obviously he, he fucking loves Andrew. <laughs> as does everybody. As does everybody. But, yeah, we had him on, and he was... Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he was, he's busting for an Ema Not Dead uh, Under Oath club. Where's he from? Um, he's in yeah, LA, you know, yeah, yeah. LA. That's what I thought. Cool. Yeah. Oh, right on. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. You guys should hook up. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. It'd be good for everybody involved. But yeah. yeah cool. Thanks again yeah, for doing thanks, this. Man. Absolute pleasure. And yeah. Hope we see you cool. soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. So fun. See you soon. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, what are you dancing for, you fucking press? Doing fucking little gunans. What's that about? Oh, unbelievable. That's, yeah. I uh, just had a great time. Yeah, I had a great time. He was fantastic. Um I enjoyed it very much. Thanks again to the wonderful Aaron Gillespie um of Underoth and Paramore and the Almost and writing and singing and remixing fame wow always busy fair play to him fair play to him thanks again to Aaron for coming on um, actually the second member of Under Oath we've had on because we had Chris in our former download episode yes downloads festival 2019 we're lucky enough to speak to him with a little bit so go back and listen to that episode where there's loads of guests from that year's festival but no it was great to speak with Aaron um, someone I've wanted to interview for quite a long time so I'm glad we got to do it and yeah I, I was a bit um after after we did the interview, it was a bit of a surreal moment because I actually asked him his favorite his signature dish, which is isn't a question you think. Oh, some of your favorite musical acts you'll ask, but I did. So that happened. Yeah, you did. You went you went full Sean. You went full <laughs> Sean. Like oh. Hey, here's something that only Sean wants to know. What's your favorite signature dish? Like. Yeah, you went full Sean, like you started talking barlacks to a man. Um, but yeah, it was awesome, and I'm glad. I'm glad we found out. To be honest, um, he likes a grill. 
But yeah, and they're of such an inspirational band to so many. And of course, remember to go and check out those live streams on the website available for the until the end of the month. I think they're going to be doing something with them maybe as well. And the reissue of all those classic vinyls you can find on their website. So all the under oath stuff everywhere. Yeah, those shows at that observatory look insane. So um, yeah, check it out. I will be checking it out this weekend. I think. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm. <laughs> if you've checked it out as well, why not let us know at Sapman Pod on Twitter and the Instagram? I- I'm not good at spelling, Sean. Um, do-, do you know how to spell that? No. Ah, oh, well, bugger then. You, you have a go. You have a go. Right, I reckon there's one of those. With A's. How fast? How fast can you do it? Go. At S A W P A No, not that fast. At S A W P E N I N P O D. What was that? S A W P E N I N P O D. Oh, got there. Yes, yes. Nice one, Morg. You've uh, you've nailed that. Thank you, Sean. But you nail quite a lot of things as well. No, not like that. Not like that. I mean, music-wise, well, you've got, well, you've got. Well, mm, uh, eh, mm, <laughs> that's mm, the, those, <laughs> are, those are stories for another podcast. Um, Shagging in with Sean Smith. <laughs> <laughs> music raiders. What's going on? Oh, oh, all right, cool. Yeah, um, no womb raiders, but my actual band. Um, so on Bandcamp, September the fourth. I don't think I should be saying this now, but I am going to say it because we're going to start teasing it from Monday, I believe. September the 4th, RaidersBandUK.Bandcamp.com. We are releasing a song called Destructobot, um, which for anybody who's had the chance to see us live is the last song we've been played, been playing that ends with everything is turned to shit. Fuck yeah! Because the only way I can deal with the constant misery that's going on at the moment is um, by being very, very sarcastic. So, yeah, that song comes out September the 4th um, on Bandcamp. So please think about checking it out there. RaidersBandUK.Bandcamp.com The song is called Destructobot. Lovely stuff. I I will, Sean. Do you know what? September 4th, first thing I'm going to do that day is buy Raiders music. Buy it. I was gonna buy. I'm gonna pay for music in 2020. Who would have thought Jeez. that as a sentence? That's crazy, isn't it? That's mental. I'm just gonna wait till it's on LimeWire, <laughs> and then I'm gonna download it on my old PC. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, please check it out. Um, it's a very, very aggressive song. Uh, it's a very angry song, but it's also very, very catchy. And there's a groove in it that makes me want to dance like a sexy stripper. So oh, nice. if there's any stri- if there's any strippers listening to this who want to dance to the song, send us clips of the song of you dancing to the song after it comes out for us to use as promo. Get in touch at Raiders Band UK on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We've got a Facebook for that nonsense. Oh, well, so. So, so you're saying this this next single is going to be the next stripper smash hit? Uh, it, it does have sexy tones, Okay. Say. Okay. You can't see this. I just pulled a sexy face. Yeah. No, I did. It was more of a pervy, yeah, disgusting yeah. face. Yeah, it's a little bit disgusting, rude, uh, dirty riff. Dirty riff face it is. Uh. <laughs> Lovely. But while we're checking things out as well, why not head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Sapnin. If you've enjoyed this podcast, any of the other ones we've done in the past or anything like that, just us two talking absolute nonsense, then why not give 
a little back, you get more exclusive content and help make this podcast bigger and better each and every single week. Yes, becoming part of the Patreon uh, gets you exclusive access to um, our fantastic group, um, some behind-the-scenes podcasts, stories, photos, videos, and, um, yeah, gets you to become part of the amazing, amazing community that has grown bigger than this podcast, in my eyes. So please check us out, patreon.com forward slash sapnin. And if you're already a Patreon member, you fucking rule. If you're not, suck a bag of dicks. Get involved ASAP. Yes. And we love every single member in that community. Literally, they bring us joy each and every single day. Um, But while we're here and talking about it, if you head to the description of this episode, there's loads of names on the Patreon we need to thank. But we're going to give a massive shout out to the elite members of our Patreon community. Those are the top tiers. And Sean's going to read their names out right now. But as always, I imagine they've... Try to be comedians while changing their names so you've got to read out some funny shit. Yeah, we'll see now. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Um, thank you very much to the wonderful Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Liwaway, Sarah, don't bother to knock James, Mitch Perry, Amy Chilvers, Emma Barber, Amadine Urbano, Janelle, I want to be loved by you, Caston, Dana Lasnava, Nathan Croshaw, Dilly, let's make love Grimwood, Kelly, as young as you feel, Ohio is for Emo Chester, Tom Owen, the cult of David Dickinson, Liam Connolly, Drew Styles, Kelly Owen, Mike Lengler, the Maxin Dancing Champion Campion, Kate Gentleman prefers Ginger's Puttock, Scott, happy birthday, Mr. President Jones, Johnny Phillips, Ollie, the seven-year rich Amesbury, Simon Amos, Jenny Munster, Kate Stevenson, Emily Senegals, Lucy Deards, Martina McManus, John and Emma, Erin Howard, Kelly, some like it hot, Mallory, Becky Andy, Marcy Jacobson, Louis Cook, Sarah Stewart, Jason Heredia, Sandra Kuachek, Nula Clark, Mike Cunningham, Charles Pendlebury, BA Honours. That's because last week I pronounced Carl Pendlebury's name as Charles Pendlebury because I was reading too fast. Sorry, Charles, but that's your new name. Um, Livy Cropper, James McNaught, Tallulah Grant, Kelly Cannon, Stuart McNaught, Sharif Awadali, Jenny Robson, Tony Michael, Lydia Henderson, Samuel Griffiths, Keris, you were meant for me, Andrews, and last but not least, Craig, let's make it legal, Harris. <laughs> <laughs> Good end. Good end, that was, Craig. Who nice one, but thanks again for coming back and rejoining the Patreon as well. We appreciate every single fucking one of you guys. Yes, we do. We love you very, very much. Um, what was, I, I, I've missed a theme there. Was it, was it love songs? I have no idea. Only a few of them have done it, which is thankful. Thank you very much to those people for, uh, the other people for not changing your names and making it a disaster to read out with my voice okay but if you want to get involved with all that patreon.com forward slash sapnin again thank you very 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 much to everyone uh t-shirts available on there now general sale very soon so be fashionable and supportive 
Yes, if you're listening to this now and you are a Patreon member, you have until Monday to pre-order your shirt before we then put it on sale to the scum. A.K.A. Yeah. everybody else who's listening to this who's not part of the Patreon. But we do love you too, so, I mean, it's nah, scum, scum nah, is a term of nah. endearment. We, we thank all. you for listening, but we'd love no. you more if you became yep. a Patreon. But um, anyway, why don't you click that subscribe button wherever you're listening to the Sapman Podcast. If it's on Acast, Apple, Spotify, random podcast platforms we've never heard about until someone says, Oh, you're on this as well, and we go, Oh, we... Oh, Fuck. Yeah. Well, that's mad. Um, sorry to any fans saying we're listening on those platforms. And give us a but lovely rate. A, oh, yeah. Sorry to those people, but also get a better platform for listening to podcasts. Hey, do us a favor. Go over to Acast because if you listen on Acast, we get more money for the adverts, I think. So um, if you give it a listen on Acast, there's more chance of us um, eventually making some money from this. So, uh, yeah. Cheers. Please support, subscribe, rate, like, and share where possible. Yes. Um, it's been a great episode. I've enjoyed this very much. It's been a good week. I've enjoyed seeing Sean in the flesh. And um, is there anything else you'd like t- to leave this episode on, Sean? Um, no. Oh, we also saw Patreon member Liam Conley in Cardiff yesterday. We he did. From, we did um, see him. From the north of England. So that was nice as well. So, um yeah, it was good to see him, and uh, I guess we'll speak to everybody next week, unless you're part of the Patreon, and I'll see you in the group in about 10 minutes. Great! Lovely stuff. Sat me! Fuck me now. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much.